Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And you, unfortunately, have tuned into the Church Planner Podcast. Yeah. Bringing uh, you... Uh, why unfortunate, Pete? Why well, unfortunate? Tell know, our listeners, we've been, warn we, them. We, because we've been disinvited to certain conferences that we used to get invited oversight. to. I'm just saying. It could just, it could just be an overvite. They've been busy. <laughs> it could just be a what? An oversight. An oversight. Yes, yes, that's true. It could just be an oversight. It's not. You know, you know if I become Maleficent, it's, this is what's happened. The Maleficent of church planning world, it's because I wasn't invited to the party, and then I become this evil villain, and then I wreak havoc with church planners everywhere. That's not good. Yeah. That's yeah. what happened to her. She just wasn't invited to a party. Made her a supervillain. Hey, Speaking of which, um, not getting invited to the party, I, I actually have to have a serious <laughs> conversation with you off the podcast, so oh. don't let me forget. Oh. It's one of those things where I'm like, oh, man, I need I need some professional insight. <laughs> oh, like you're coming to me for it. I thought I was in trouble. I was like, what no. did I invite? Dude, I've been as busy as a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest. I mean, I've... I launched jump school. Cha-ching. I launched Shut up. Uh, I cannot team. believe you still okay. call it jump okay. school. I, I I launched the core team training that shall not be named. And you then, should call it you should call it the core team training that is not being called jump school. Like that should actually <laughs> be the official title. The core team training formerly known. Just give a prince and then there'll just be a little symbol that I like will it. refer to it. And I like when it. I say the symbol, I'll say <laughs> and that'll be like the symbol sound, and you'll know. No, what, what I got to talk to you about, I'll, I'll let everyone here kind of oh, do we get know the, the general genre of it. Wait, wait, wait. I, I got to set the tone, though, because we already talked about this. And it's like in the 80s when you'd watch like those TV shows, like some sitcom, and it was going to get serious. And it would say, tonight, on a very special episode of the Church Planner Podcast. You never close your eyes anymore <laughs> oh, I think what's so sad is I can't hear any me. of the sound effects, man. I can't. You never tell me you love me on the podcast anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, so here's the genre. Okay, so. Uh, oh, 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 wait. Before you kick in, guys, <sighs> this, I know I keep cutting you off. This is Smack Talk. If you guys have come to the podcast, mm -hmm. this is kind of like the stand up monologue at the beginning of the Tonight Show. Except it's not that good. So uh, this is Church Planner Podcast, and uh, we're going to talk church planning I almost planning sprayed my computer with coffee with that one, man. <laughs> but you got to wait 30 minutes, because 
Church planning is a lot about waiting, and uh, we're trying to teach you that. We're yeah, trying to catch up on ticket. each other's lives, yeah. and so we kind of yeah, don't actually, care if you yeah. got to wait. That's all we're saying. <laughs> yeah, welcome to our friendship. This is this is what's happening here. So, Pete, I'm sorry. I won't cut you off again, man. All right. So, here's the deal. Uh, been going to uh, my pastor's small group meeting, and and part of what you know we part of what we've been doing for this little segment we've been going through is uh you know trying to I, I don't even really know how to put this trying to discover your spiritual gifts and if you remember on this podcast I've said many a time I don't have a clue what <laughs> my you have no spiritual gifts well, right Angel, that's pretty much my no philosophy that you you hit it right on the head that's my I'm philosophy teasing. that's so wrong <laughs> but that's my philosophy so whether or not sure. You know, so, you know, we're, we're, we're doing this, uh, you know, worksheet, whatever you want to call it, right? Something that Rick Warren's people put out, who knows where he got it from. And, uh, part of it was, you know, you go through and you answer like, I don't know, 150 different questions. And then, you know, you put your answers over in the little chart and it kind of, you know, tells you, you know, based on a scale where you're at. And so I remember I took it, right. And I fill everything out, and I, I literally I start laughing like in the middle of this, and I go, "See, this is why I don't believe in these things because this is what it's saying my spiritual gifts are, and this is a joke." Like anybody who knows me knows this is not my spiritual gift at all. And so they're like, "Well, what does it say?" And I tell them, and that's why I don't want to say what it is here on the I'm, podcast. I'm literally on the edge of my seat right now. Well. I can't, I'm not going to say it on the podcast because literally anybody who knows me would be like, yeah, that, mm, mm, I don't know, because there's kind of like a public Pete that everyone else knows and there's a, that's. And I also don't want to be held to this highest standard too. (laughs) I don't want people to go. I know it's come back that you're a pastor and you're like, no, That hasn't happened yet. <laughs> that that well, definitely hasn't I, I happened. Remember, I remember when we were first meeting, everybody was convinced you were supposed to be in ministry. And you're like, everybody tells me that. And what's so funny, man, is if I were to nail you, can I say what I think your gifts are? Yeah, please do. Uh, um, number one, um, shutting down merchant accounts. <laughs> Just joking. Dude, I did that Oklahoma, like a champ. Oklahoma. Like a champ. Oh, oh, oh. Let's just say when you're emailing your uh, treasurer and your, hey, your staff. and your It's team. not my fault. I was like six months removed from even being the treasurer. It was their stupid fault for including me, me of all people, on that email string. On the same email with the merchant account representative. Correct. And they have um, just, no sense of humor. That's all I'm yes, saying. Yes, don't make jokes about finances with those people, for sure. But, you know, um, actually, uh, if I were to look at your gifts, uh, two things. Um, uh, one is the gift of compassion. Um, you have that big time. And I know it, it's not something you recognize. It's not something that you walk around thinking about. But you have that gift. The other one is the gift of helps. And um, so the, those two things right there are huge in your life. And, um, it's, it's not a part of your, your public persona, but it's definitely a spiritual gift I've seen operate in you. Interesting. Yeah. We'll have to talk Am more I about close? Am I close? Definitely not on the helps. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. So, so the, <laughs> but okay. compassion, right. I mean, comp- I wouldn't have thought that, but I also wouldn't have thought what this, this test said. And it was funny because I bring it up. I'm like, this is a joke. Anyone who knows me knows that this isn't true. And then Justin basically goes, well, this might be how it, because he knows about the podcast and the magazine. So he knows about me. And and he's like, well, this might be how this is manifesting in your life. And it was funny because I'm like looking at that and I'm like, okay, I never looked at it the way you were looking at it. Right. And it was funny because last night I'm like, well, God, I can honestly say this is not natural to me. So right. if this is yep. a you know spiritual gift using yep. uh, that biblical term for it, then it has to be from God because this is not who I am as a person. Like this literally would be a supernatural thing because it's not it's not who I am 
at my core. Well, it, it, it's so true, man. Like I always tell people that, you know, it's, it's literally, um, a supernatural thing when I start loving people because naturally left to myself, I don't even like, I can't people. tell you how badly I wanted to start singing loving you. <laughs> I don't even know that song. It's all I want to do. <laughs> I don't even know that. It's so funny, man, because uh, Anna and I went to a Lauren Daigle concert. And she, I got to say, that woman's got some talent. My brother-in-law took me. And uh, that woman can sing. And she was losing her voice. But I literally didn't have a clue of a single song at that thing, which was everybody in my party was like, oh, what? And I'm like, yeah, oh, no, because we were talking afterwards. And I was like, no, that that woman's got some serious talent. Like, she was good. Um, it was, she does, but I, I, I didn't have a clue. Any of those songs didn't know a single one. Mm. Mm. So I don't know everybody's anyway, mad at her cause she, you, you and I can have know. that, that conversation, uh, offline sometime. And, uh, I want to have that conversation for sure. For show. I think we should open it up, make it like a special episode of the church tonight. Well, oh, you know what? I'm cool. I'm cool with that, but here's what we're going to, we're going to charge for it because, uh, <laughs> I have the gift of charging money. You're so funny because you're like, no, I'm rebelling against that. No. I'm rebelling against your compassion. I'm fighting it. Thingy that you came up with. Your 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 crazy, crazy belief. Well, and, uh, that's I'm the funny thing is so much of this has to do. I mean, so much of what we're doing has to do with it coming from you. You know, like, hey, how do we do this? Why don't we start a magazine? Why don't we start a podcast? Like, Almost yeah, everything true. when I would share with you, like, hey, you know, I really want to equip and I want to, you're the guy who's like, well, what about this? And your heart was in it. You weren't like, hey, how can I make a bunch of money? Because that, that just hasn't happened. That's never been the motivator. And for every other area. And we're going to rectify that right here, <laughs> right now. <laughs> I'm creating a monster. Now I'm creating Maleficent. Um, uh, that I was already the, the Maleficent. Title. I was already Maleficent. You just didn't give me but a see, chance you're to the show new, it. Like you're the new Disney Maleficent. We're like, no, we should, you know, he's not that bad. You know, like let's understand him. That that's what they're doing in the new movies. So I don't know, man. I, I'm I'm just saying how we became Maleficent. That's mm-hmm. today's. Uh, <laughs> that's today's uh, episode. So here's 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 one of the things that I wanted to talk about in Smack Talk. Uh, before we actually get into today's topic, which, by the way, what is today's topic? Today's topic is what to do when nothing's happening. What I call the doldrums in your church. You've given it your all and you just seem like you're just in for the long stretch. Now, ain't nothing happening. And what do you do in those times? It could be super discouraging, um, super uh, disorienting. Even you question your calling, you question everything, you question the people next to you. What's going on? Everybody's questioning you. And uh, what do you do in those times? Mm, I dig it. So what I want to talk about is the thing that has been blowing up Facebook uh, for the last 24 hours. This is about the uh, cop, Amber Geyer, who shot a black man in his apartment uh because she thought she was walking into her apartment and instead was on the wrong floor of her apartment building and walks into his apartment, sees a black man in what she thought was her house and shoots him dead. Now, she was a police officer. Correct? She was a police officer. And, and this happened about a month ago, though, didn't it? No, 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 no. This happened like a year ago. Okay. I was going to say, trial this is a while back. The trial just what finished. happened. And what happened? Well, that's what's been blowing up Facebook, which is why I can't I, believe you haven't seen it. I've been living under a rock. I've been training dudes and launching. Well, here's life. the thing, man. I My remember when this, this whole thing happened, and I'm like looking at this thing going, okay, first of all, this is just, it's wrong on so many levels because here, here's this guy. He's in his apartment. He, this is where he lives. She comes into his apartment, and of course, the thought going through my head is, how do you not know you're not going into your apartment? Like, that doesn't even Mm. pass the smell test to me. 
And I guess her defense attorney was trying to say, well, you know, it's a very uh, confusing building. And she got I'm like, this is where you live. Like, this is this does not pass the smell test to me. And apparently he's got like a red rug in front of his door and she doesn't. So they're like, look, she's a cop. She's trained to notice little things. How does she not notice there's a red rug in front of uh, his door that's not in front of hers? Like, they're like, this isn't right. Well, part of the trial comes out. And and I, again, guys, I want to be honest here. I haven't followed it diligently. I'm going to get to the highlight here. But I guess she was like sexting with her partner at the same time. So her mind wasn't focused on am she i going startled to startled when she came through the door she was looking at her phone I'm well not, she sees I the door nothing about this i only know like like the one sentence summary woman walks in the wrong apartment off duty police officer and shoots uh and shoots the guy uh, black man uh the the part state. that really disturbed me about the whole thing is what do the police do the police and i kid you not get a search warrant for his apartment oh wow and I'm looking at that going, you've got to be kidding me. Like, you want to protect your own so much that you're willing to go after the victim right. in his own apartment. And then they're like, oh, we found marijuana in his apartment. Oh, and then, of course, what does America do? Oh, see, it's not the cop's fault. Uh, you know, this this white lady, it's not her fault. It's it's the black man's fault. He had he even had marijuana in his apartment and blah. And I don't even know what state it's in. So who knows if that was even illegal because it's legal in so many states now. So bottom line is I'm looking at this going, okay, this is just disturbing to me. Absolutely disturbing to me that we as a nation immediately side against black people and side for the cops in every circumstance. And so I, you know, like, that's just my whole opinion on it. I'm like, whatever. And just don't really follow it. So she goes to trial. Um, They, the, the jury was given the option of manslaughter or murder. And of course, murder was, you know, the top billing and everyone saw it as, you know, this is going to be pretty hard to, (laughs) to, uh, to get murder. And part of what she used, whatever state they're in, I think they're in Texas now that I, I think about it. Yeah, former Dallas police officer. So they're in Texas. Uh, Texas has what's called the Castle Doctrine, which uh, many states do. <laughs> Though, of course, I don't think California does because, you know, we we don't believe that you should be able to protect yourself no. here. My brother um, was just talking about this. So in Virginia, that applies to your vehicle as well. Not oh, does DC, it? of course. And it's yeah. different in every state. Like the, the Castle Doctrine yeah. is different. Basically, the simplest way to put it is... Um, you have the right to protect yourself in your own castle with deadly right, force. Right. And um, no one's allowed to to come in and, and do that. So what the defense tried to say was there's a caveat in Texas castle doctrine that says, basically, if you believe you are in your castle, you're protected. Oh, my God. And so really? their argument was, well, she believed she was in her castle. Therefore, Killing him, the guy who actually lived there, was justified because she believed it. And, of course, the jury just saw right through that and was like, no, you were not making the victim uh, the guilty party. And basically the, the thing that's supposed to protect him, protect the guilty person. So they came back with uh, guilty of murder. So they didn't give him manslaughter. Ooh, right. Ooh, Alexa's telling me my podcast is supposed to start right now. Wow. Yeah. So um you triggered Alexa. I know. She she gets triggered easily. <laughs> Alexa! Shut up. All right. So crawl back in your hole. <laughs> I I hate it when I get my robot slaves mixed up and I start calling her Siri and Siri Alexa, man. It messes everything oh, man, up. In have my you life. ever have you ever gotten them arguing with one another? That's fun. That's cool. So Anyway, um, she's found guilty, and they're in that that part of the trial where uh, the family gets to say what they want to say. And and this, guys, I'm going to play it for you here. This is uh, uh, the guy's younger brother. I guess his name is Brant Jean. No, no, no. Yeah, the brother, the younger brother is Brant Jean. And this is what he's saying to Amber. Uh, the lady who's just found guilty, the former Dallas police officer, she's been found guilty of murder. Uh, I can't hear it, so 
Peyton, you're going to have to let me know when it's done playing. Okay. And, and the code word is Kansas City when we're done. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> we know how to that, take a serious topic that, and really that, just. That right. way, Pete knows that here, the clip is over. Here we go. I can speak for myself. I, I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. Mm. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. Mm. And I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I see, I, I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. Mm-hmm. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can can I give her a hug, please? Please. Yes. I don't, I don't remember. It's it's been too long. Wow, so he, here's here's the thing, man. That's wait. Let me just say, dude. Like that's so powerful, man. Like that's the first time I've heard that. I know. Isn't it that's crazy? Amazing. That's that right there. Think of all the power and authority in that room, and what that dude just did was he upset every bit of power and authority and broke through to every person in that room. And that, by the way, is why Christianity was a threat in the first century. It's why it's still a threat to the powers that be in this world because there's nothing, nothing can stand against that. Yeah. That is just pure Holy spirit. That was supernatural. That goes above. Well, nature. that's the thing is I, I completely agree with you on that. And, um, you know, him saying what he said, apparently there wasn't a dry eye in the entire courtroom. Obviously, including Pete. I I could only hear the audio. I've not seen the video. And you could hear the sound after he hugged her. And she breaks. You hear this commotion. Yeah. Well, in the fact that he asks the judge, hey, can I go give her a hug? And then the judge allows it. Like there was a pause, like you can see the, the the she's scanning, like should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I? Right, because we're not supposed to do this, and you know, right. you know, because again, what could be going on in their mind? Hey, maybe this is a ruse. Maybe he wants to, you know, strangle her. Right? It doesn't matter what he just said. It's it's like, you know, you're this independent organization. You have to take all this stuff into consideration. She allows it. There, there are other clips. So what the judge ends up doing is he, she. this is all on tape. She literally gives Amber her own personal Bible. And right there in the court is like walking her through it and turns to John 3.16 and says, here, start here. Read this. And Holy crap. I, dude, I'm telling you, right? And I'm looking well, at this thing. That, that right there is... 
That is the power of the kingdom of God that demolishes every other earthly kingdom. Like the earthly kingdom doesn't have a chance against the heavenly kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's the reason why it's literally blowing up my Facebook and Twitter feed hmm. because like I even look at my own self, right? My own take on the whole situation. Ah, you know, stinking cops. Look at what they're doing. And oh, now they're even trying to cover up a murder of a clearly innocent guy. And what's God doing? He's sitting back and going, ha ha, wait until you see what I'm going to do with this. Right. And wait until you see how I'm going to turn mm. everyone's attention back point. to where it needs to be. It's a good point. You know, I started watching a video uh, a little bit earlier this morning. Some, some of you guys that run the Harvest Bible, this is kind of a little known factoid about me. Um, one of my cousins is a pastor by the name of Jeff Schwartzentraub, and he was kind of big in the Harvest Bible Chapel. He leads a church called Brave now. And, um, but he, he trains church planners, same heart, totally apostolic. And, uh, he shared this video with me of what's popping in Iran. And just, you know, there was an article, uh, released earlier in the week saying Iran is the most, uh, it's where the fastest growing church in the world is right now. And it's predominantly being led by women, which as you and I know, from interviewing Saeed all those years ago in Iraq, she was the evangelist. She well, we didn't interview. We interviewed uh, oh, Zabanda. Sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. <laughs> I meant to say his sister. Yeah. Um, but we interviewed her, and she was the one. And you know, it's so funny, man, because um, I was watching that this morning, and it it starts off showing Obama and Trump and all these um, policies about Iran, and how, like you said, like you know, let's see what God does. And, you know, meanwhile, we're, you know, these are the villains, these are the evil ones. And behind the scenes in Iran, um, a completely Muslim led government, um, run by Sharia law has really just caved in on itself. People are unhappy. They're, they, they've, they've imbibed all that Islam has to offer with no restrictions. And are unfulfilled and looking for something. And the gospel is taking it by storm in the underground church there because grace, peace. I mean, all the, you know, Islam is a, is a religion of peace, they say. And yet when you look at, um, countries like Iran, there's no peace there. And right. so here comes the gospel, just like what you're showing right now. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's one of the it's one of those powerful things where I I just look at it too and and again it comes back to God can literally use just the craziest worst tragedies ever that you and I are going to look at and be like you know how could anything good possibly come from this like uh when a Nazarene was crucified 2000 years ago. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the heart of Christianity. That's yeah. why like the prosperity gospel and all that stuff. It's like, do you guys understand the theology here of the faith that you're trying to pawn off as prosperity gospel is that in the face of the greatest tragedy and the most hopeless event of all humanity, God, the greatest suffering that any human beings ever, God brings this promise out of. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah, dude, that's huge, and that—that's kind of what that Iran video was showing. But dude, that's so powerful, man. That's, it is. This is some deep. We've waited. I told you, waters is smacked off. I would. I was like, "Are you sure?" Because you're like, "Yeah, yeah, we got a topic." All right, all right. All right. <laughs> well, yeah. We, yeah. we we crowdsourced this one, so you know, it's it's you know. No, we did, we did. So yeah, that's that's what I just wanted to share, man. I was like, no, that's fantastic. I think Thanks it's it's incredibly that. powerful what what happened. Um, I mean, by the time you know Monday rolls around when this podcast gets released, uh, I think most of our pastors will have already either talked about it in their Sunday service or you know seen yeah. it and moved on, whatever, or showed it or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and it's it. But to me, it's like. The conversation is happening now with people, but also think about how our communities would change 
Hmm. If this was our attitude towards our yeah. neighbor who's pissing us off because they're parking their car too far to the right or to the left or, wow. you know, always yeah. in front of my house, like little crap, right? <laughs> Why do you park? That is so funny because I got apartments behind me and that's a very, that, the struggle is real on that one, brother. Well, but, you know, I was speaking to you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and, it, and it's funny too because all of this mindset, this this perspective is key, right? And we're, we're going to get into that with um, even our topic today. But like with with the the uh, video on Iran, literally, I'm going to have to see that one by the way because I, I, I'll send it to you. It's amazing, yeah. and um, I haven't even finished it, and it'll get you fired up. But it starts off with it's got this. They have to um, voice mask who it is, you know, distort the voices. Oh, yeah. But they're yeah. they're literally saying. When I leave my house every day, I know it's probably most likely the last time I'll see my house. I'll see my family. Um, these are hardcore apostolic Iranian missionaries and they're ex-Muslims. But, you know, keep in mind, um, if you want to reach a Muslim, you use a Muslim, right? Um, if you want to reach the Jews, you use a Pharisee, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. here's Paul. This is what this is. And, and so, you know, they are used to jihad. They are used to um, this idea that my faith will cost me my life. And to them, that's that's nothing new. So here they are in Iran in the underground <clears throat> church. And you just watch this and you're like, holy crap. Like, they are ready to die for Jesus to reach yeah. other Muslims. It's insane, dude. And how you're saying, like, God can use everything and anything. Here he has used their background in Islam to make them and same with Paul. Like Paul was like, Hey, I've killed enough Christians. I should be ready to die for Christ. You know, like that's insane. You know? Yeah. So, it is. It is. And the Jews for that matter were were ready to be killed by Romans at any time, right? That that was normal for them. They didn't get the same rights as Romans did. Right. So um crazy. Crazy dude. All right, so <clears throat> kicking k- kicking into our topic. Uh, uh, um, wait, wait. I asked, uh, uh, Kansas City, Kansas City. <laughs> well, so I, I asked Pete today. I said, "Hey, should we put smack talk at the end?" And Pete's like, "Yeah, you know, I don't think we can because sometimes we talk about really serious things um, in our main topic, but uh, today we kind of did that different, didn't we? We did. It, it, it actually feels weird to go into our topic today from smack talk." I know. I I gave you the option, man. I gave nope. you the nope. option. No, I'm sticking to it because I've had this guy for weeks now. Who All right, can I question. can I play off Doc Brown? If you must. All right, Doc, take us away. Great Scott, it's time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. <laughs> I don't know why I enjoy that. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. It's so just so apt. And and nacho we already have, but uh, if you're into nachos, see what I did there. That was like a, an advertising segue. Um, we're just going to put some uh, pulled pork on top of it right now. Here's a, here's a little extra. Um, so that what to do? So good. I would really mm. like a pulled pork sandwich. Oh yeah, baby. Mm. Mm. Pulled pork. <laughs> Sorry. Donut. <laughs> <laughs> See, why is it we were serious in smack talk and now we get to the topic and it's Homer Simpson time? <laughs> so funny. Ooh, church planning. Um, <laughs> all right. So, okay, here we go. Uh, we're going to talk about what to do when you hit the doldrums. I had a guy who wrote me and he said, hey, Peyton, because um, it's never, hey, Pete. It's always, hey, Peyton. <laughs> it sure isn't. Well, that's also too because Pete at churchplannermag.com, straight to the trash. <laughs> Just teasing. No, but, um, yeah, okay, so his question was, he's like, hey, man, look, I've been doing this, that, and that. I'm in this church. It's a replant, which, as far as I'm concerned, a replant is pretty much like a church plant. And I think if you've done one, you know that, right? It, uh, it, if you've never done both, you kind of think they're different. And then what you realize with a replant is it's not a core team you get to pick or you'd probably want. But they're kind of who you're stuck with. Um, and, but you got to do all the same things. That's been, that's the main difference is you have to do the same things, but because of the team that you inherit, you kind of got to do it at a different speed, right? And, uh, you, you have to go slower. You got a group of people that you need to honor and respect and 
pull along with you. So often we're talking about counting the cost. Um, for example, in the Southern Baptist churches that are here in California, um, normally each Southern Baptist church that you find, there's like a family of seven or eight. Uh, yeah, I mean, a, a group of seven or eight families who mortgage their homes, right? Got seconds on their homes so they could build a church in their neighborhood. And so you, you know, when they come back, they're like, Hey, it's a centennial or whatever it is, you know, 50 year anniversary, 75, whatever. Normally those people get mentioned. And in the, in that day, yeah, they didn't think twice about it. It was just like, Hey, this is what we do. You know, like forget tithing, man. We're putting everything on the line so that this community can have a, a witness for the gospel, which is just pretty incredible. And, um, so, uh, often you want to honor the people that you've inherited. They might be some of those people. Like I was in the Southern Baptist church about two years ago where the last member that had done that died off. Right. And it was kind of a big deal. It was a big mm. blow to them because they're like, you know, we're so like everybody knows, like I probably wouldn't do that, you know, but right. here was a generation, you know, not only they go to, 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 you know, Europe or Japan or wherever it was and fight, you know, in a world war, they came home and were still kind of heroic in there. Not kind of, but they were. So anyways, <clears throat> all that to say, um, so you carry these people along. And I, I think there's something really Christ-like about that. Um, people think of me as kind of a hatchet man. You've been in a church where I was like, yeah, normally I'd give you nine months for this, but three, let's go, right? We're, we're going into Long Beach. And, and, and I actually struggle with that a bit. Um, it was a little, a little too fast, but, but I'm not known for being shepherding. I'm not known for wanting to, to carry a group of people along. I'm known for the opposite mobilization. Let's go. Let's go. And, 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 and the problem is, um, you know, when you're, when, when you're in that place and this is where he was, and some of you guys will relate to this, even your, in your church plant where things aren't moving. Maybe you had a, a, a group of people that were, were saved and then, you know, you, you realize, ah, oh, you know, they're, you know, I'm, I'm not seeing anything now. And it's been a year. It's been two years. What do I do? So I want to talk about that today. Okay. I'm not sure if you had any thoughts. Uh, yeah. Uh, here, here's my thoughts. Oh, see, I didn't have my soundboard selected. So when I hit the button, nothing happened. Here we go. I made my money the old fashioned way. I got run over by Alexis. I'm sorry. Uh, go, go ahead. Continue now. Yeah, wrong podcast. Actually, it's the right podcast. <laughs> it's just the wrong so, time. <laughs> Next so time you're getting Nana. Oh, man. Oh, I'm, and now I'm going to work that. That's going to be the game behind this podcast. How do I, how do I trigger Pete for Nana? <laughs> how do I get so, Nana? So uh, it, the first thing is to pray. And I, and I know that sounds so cliche to say to pray, but, but the reality is if you look at the, at the New Testament, uh, when, when you get to that point, um, where they've got obstacles and they've got periods where stuff isn't popping, they pray. Um, they, they, they go away. For example, when they get persecuted by the Pharisees, um, Acts chapter four says they go away and they pray and they say, God, you created the heavens and the earth and you look down upon their threats now, Lord, and boom, boom, boom. The building was shaken and it says that the spirit filled them and they went out and boldly declared the gospel. And, and, you know, it's not cliche. Like that is what the church did. Um, that is not what we do, right? We scratch our heads and we read more books and they called a, a special time of prayer together. And I'm sure it wasn't just one meeting, like, you know, hey, let's just pray. These guys have prayed 10 days before Pentecost, and prayer was a regular rhythm that they often faced together. So I would say that the number one thing is, first off, when you get alone, call yourself to special seasons of prayer. Set an alarm. Pray multiple times a day. Get up early in the morning. Do what you got to do. Pray with your spouse. Pray with your team. Hey, guys, we got to, you know, open up your living room like I did years ago. Um, when we hit a roadblock, we were getting kicked out of our building. And I started getting prophetic words from God in answer to that. This special time of prayer. Um, and, and, and I don't know why when Acts is laid out the way it is that we don't do that. So the number one thing is to double down in prayer. And, and let me just say this right now. Um, when I give a list like this, um, and I say something like pray or surrender or something like that, 
please don't interpret that as like being the faith movement. Well, this has all happened because you're not praying enough. You know, I'm not shifting blame back to you. The, the, that's not what the question is. The question in how did you get there? The question is, how do I push through this, Peyton? How do I get out of this? Right? Because when you turn to God, um, it's kind of like Wesley said, when I pray, coincidences happen. When I don't, they don't. Mm, right? Yeah. One of my favorite quotes. Um, of Wesley um, amongst many, probably a hundred different quotes Wesley had, and they're all good. You know what's funny is uh, I bet you Wayne would love that line here in my <laughs> office. <laughs> bet he would because he's very practical. Well, he doesn't believe in coincidences. That's why I think he'd love that line. Right, right. That's and my I, that's I, my cue for you to remind me what that line was later, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what? What's awesome is. Um, you know, years ago, and just to let you know, like I mentioned prophetic words and supernatural things popping. Um, uh, years ago, I, I got into this problem with my church plan. We, we launched Pillar. It grew. It exploded. And when I say exploded in Wales, that's not going to be impressive to you guys. That means it went from like 20 to 50 in like a, a, a few months, like three months. And, and that was huge for us, right? And keep in mind, this is almost all, uh, new converts. Except like I had maybe 20 of those people. So probably 30, you know, um, uh, people that, that, that grew, um, and, and, and a chunk of them were new converts. So, uh, and, and a chunk of them weren't. And, and within a few months, all the, the Christians were gone anyway. So it was like, oh, okay. So, but I kept having waves of people getting saved and then it stopped for almost a year. And I was really troubled. Like, what are we not doing? What's going wrong? Why are we not? I didn't want any Christians to come to my church. So to me, my metric was new converts. And when that's your metric and you don't see yourself hitting that, um, you start wondering, you start questioning everything. And during that special time of prayer, God spoke to me. Uh, there were multiple prophetic words, but those are just like a normal, like God saying, hey, and, and, and one of the things that he said to me during that time, um, there were supernatural things, there was a very natural thing. In the quiet of my heart, God said, I gave you a, a bunch of babies and they've been in a nursery. And your job with this many babies is to pick them up and hold them and feed them and disciple them. And you mm. haven't been doing that. You're still looking out and you're ignoring this nursery full of babies. And, and I learned then that there are rhythms to the life of a church. If you get a huge, notice that it's punctuated equilibrium in the New Testament. They get that influx of 3,000. And it says, and the Lord added to their number daily, but it didn't add 3,000 people daily, right? There was still a, a trickle coming in. Um, but there were, th there was a, a kind of a bolus injection of people getting saved. And that will happen in your church. Later on, we see 5,000 more people being, now we got 8,000 plus whatever's trickling in daily. So, you know, the, and those were like one-time events. So you will have times and then God will go, I'm not doing that every day because you can't handle that. I mean, they could barely handle, right, the 3,000 and then the 5,000. It says now in those early days, you know, they, they got into trouble with the Hellenists. Um, there was a capacity issue and a problem, and they had to appoint new leaders. So um, every time you grow, there will be shifting and maneuvering that has to happen. So keep that in mind. Have you been faithful to that? Have you been mindful of that? But then number two, um, the, the second thing that I do is I will redouble. If it's not getting out there, it's discipling, right? It, it will be I will look at my actions, and I will adjust and maneuver. So the second thing is either get out there, or um, get in there, right? Either disciple or start doing outreach. And to me, uh, the, those I know people want to say, "Well, I disciple non-believers," and we don't like the term outreach. All the the, the young uh, generation now doesn't like that. Tough, right? Because when you look at how are you going to, what else are you going to term? Are you going to say when Peter stood up and preached to that crowd of people that that was an outreach? <laughs> that that was not discipleship as he stood on the temple steps and preached the gospel. That was outreach. And outreach and discipleship, um, they, they're not opposites. They go hand in hand. And, you know, you can't disciple people unless you take them into evangelistic situations. That's what Jesus modeled with the 12. He disciples them, but he takes them out on outreach and evangelistic and you know, he preaches the gospel with them. He sends them out preaching the gospel. So nice try, young people, trying to get out of evangelism, which is what the church always tries to do. 
because we just don't want to. And I get it. I don't want to either. But it's highly biblical, and you're never going to get away from it. You ain't never going to convince me. So when I get into that point, I look at what's my activity. Is my activity insular? Well, maybe it needs to more be more external. Is my activity external? Maybe it needs to be more insular. Maybe I need to disciple who I got. And I will always disciple non-believers. I'll never argue with you on that. That was one of my major roles was to meet with people on the fringes and go to breakfast with them and decide, walk them through the scripture and talk about their life. And um, it's a form of witnessing when you say you're discipling a non-believer. But it, it, it because you, you always keep in mind they're, they're not saved. You're going to be discipling them into believers anyways. And that, of course, involves a form of evangelism. It's just more conversational in nature. Right. Yep. The third thing you have to do during this is fall back on your calling. Um, oh, and, and, and before I go into that, sorry. Um, one thing I want to mention was getting out there. My mentor was a guy named Peter Jeffrey, discipled by Lloyd Jones. Um, Peter had a church up in rugby and he came back from a minister's conference where there was an emphasis on preaching the gospel. And I've told this story before and I've got an amazing interview with him. It's about an hour and a half before he passed. And he, he said he got back to his church and he's just, he couldn't, like he could barely sleep. Like God was disturbing him. You guys aren't doing what you're called to do. And he came back and told his church, I don't know what we're supposed to do, but we got to do something. And, um, and I mentioned last week about one of the churches I was talking with where he said, Hey, we're just going to do a Black Friday. Like it was that kind of stuff where doing something is better than doing nothing. And so he came back and he said, Peyton, we did all this evangelistic outreach. And here's the thing. He said, not a single person came to faith through that. But he goes, but God started bringing people in. Like, not just to the church service, but like supernaturally. Like there was this musician, it was the 80s. He would listen to cassette tapes. Mm. Um, he would buy used cassette tapes. That's what you do back then. You record everything and you don't want to buy new cassettes. So he'd buy them used at swap meets. But he had this... um uh, this rule that because he was a musician and artist, he would never record over something without listening to it. Interesting. And of course, here's yeah, it was just his personal commitment. Yeah. I, I will never record over a secondhand tape unless I listen to it first. Well, these were gospel sermons that he had bought, you know, like little, you know, have that tape. And, cassette. and kids, um, what a cassette tape is, is <laughs> it was this, uh, this way to save data, much like a hard drive. <laughs> only it literally was a, a tape between two reels. Crazy as that may sound. Remember, and you'd stick remember it into a special the machine. Remember what? at the back of the church, you'd have that cassette duplicator. Oh. thing would be running off. If you <laughs> had one, that did like uh, a radio and you could record. That's how you got your music. Like you wouldn't even go buy the the cassette. You would literally just record. Oh, the radio is playing my jam. You'd go run real quick and hit record. You yeah. remember that? Oh, yeah. And and if the DJ cut the end of the song off. Or started oh, talking. Dude. <laughs> yeah. Or what's that? Or started talking. You know how they start In the talking. middle of it. Ooh, I like this part coming. And they would. You know, they play a sound effect. Dukin, dukin. You know, hey, what are you doing? Got to re-record that now. <laughs> yeah. 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 The commercial would cut it off. You've been listening to K-Rock. Uh, you know? Just just think about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, guys. Th- that's a cassette tape. What uh what Peter Quinn mix always tape. or Quill. The ultimate mixtape. Yeah. So, you know, um, so anyways, uh so point three. Point three. So so getting out there. But anyways, this guy would hear gospel sermons and he would um he, he got saved. And then that led to many. I mean, these kinds of things were happening. People got saved every Sunday for two years. And it happened for two years and stopped. And Peter, to this day, if he were still with us, up until the day he died, would say that was just pure Holy Spirit. Mm. But he believes um, that God um, answered their prayers and their actions, not directly by those outreaches, which is so rad that God... God responded to their intentionality and their heart to do it, their willingness. Um, you know, kind of like in Revelation when Jesus says, I see, I see your work. I see your, I see your labor and I'm blessed, you know, like keep doing that. And then he says, but this, you know, so number three is falling back on your calling. And Martin Lloyd Jones, um, he would talk about these times. If you ever want to get a, a really awesome book about, 
um, times where you just kind of seem to be walking around in the wilderness. There's a book called Spiritual Depression, and I think ministers have this um, from time to time. I know I've certainly had it. Um, But Lloyd-Jones repeatedly tell ministers, uh, fall back on your calling in those times where uh, nothing's popping, nothing's, and it, because we do, right? Paul says, you are the seal of my apostleship. A seal was a validation, right? You would, you would, um, put a wax seal on a letter. And he says, you are the seal of my, um, apostleship, your letters, epistles known and read by all men. Um, you, you, you're proof that I was called to this. And so when you don't feel like you have anything to point to for a few years or your church is stagnating, you're right to be in a little bit of a crisis about it. Like, what's happening? Aren't we supposed to multiply? Aren't we supposed to, like, be this light? And I know some people are like, hey, I just faithfully endured, man. And, hey, endurance is the number one thing we're called to. Mm. Enduring hardship, not inactivity, not apathy, not not lack of motion. And I commend ministers that stay in congregations that don't go anywhere. I do commend because that's its own trial. But surely there has to be more than that. Right. There has to be deeper and better questions we can be asking than how do I just stay here and babysit, you know, like like faithfulness, like, no, it's faith. Faithfulness is, um, you know, discharging all your duties. And one of those things that Paul tells Timothy is do the work of an evangelist. So but falling back on your calling, um, your calling will come into question. Like I said in the beginning, people will question you, you know, he's not. You know, is he really our leader? Is he really a leader, not just our leader? Um, you'll question yourself. And Lloyd Jones says you need to start by comforting yourself that I was called to this and I didn't call myself to this. Now, if you did call yourself to it, yeah, luck. I can't help you. Right. Um, everybody should have a calling story like they have a, um, <laughs> a, a conversion story. I have a calling story. I was sitting on a bench at my college. I have two calling stories. One, I was on break, um, on my lunch break when I was 18, 19 years old. I think I was 19. And I was working security at the, the Golden West swap meet. Pete will know that. Woo. And, um, and I was working security and I was on my lunch break and I opened up the Bible to Joshua chapter one, got to verse nine where Joshua was called, felt warmed, um, uh, just felt God speaking to me through those verses. Be strong and of good courage. Moses, my servant, is dead. I get home. The uh, pastor of my church has called me, and I just knew. I didn't know what God was saying, but I knew this verse is for me right now, right here. could feel the power of the Holy Spirit behind it, just like an arrow and burning it into my soul. I get home. The pastor says, uh, he, he, there's this message on the machine. Hey, Peyton, this is a uh, guy. Um, Dan's going to be taking a break, um, sabbatical, his wife is sick, and um, I need you to uh, uh, be the youth pastor uh, for the unforeseeable future, and uh, I need I need an answer within 24 hours. So I call him up and say, hey, I can't give you an answer in 24 hours. I, I think God's speaking to me. He goes, right, I'll give you a week. Click. <laughs> just kind of, a, you would have loved him. He, he was just kind of a, you know, no, no bull crap, you know, uh, brass tacks. Didn't like touching people, even shaking their hands. So you would have really liked him. Um, but, you know, it was funny because uh, that was the first one. The second one, when I knew that I was going to be going overseas, um, at the back of the Romans commentary was an advert for the pastor's college uh, that Lloyd-Jones founded um, back then in the, in the version I had. I don't know if it's still in there. But... Um, God spoke to me just directly to my heart and said, you're going to be over there one day training with these guys. And one day you're going to train people for me. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I think I was 21 at that point. I was just getting ready to finish nursing school. And uh, I got called full-time in ministry, like in the next, you know. Um, in fact, I was already full-time. I was just finishing nursing school to be faithful, but that was my calling. So I have multiple times I'm calling and I jokingly always say I got into ministry through the back door because literally I I, I started by holding the seat, keeping it warm for someone else. And Dan never came back, but God called me. And so what I would say is if you're at a point where you don't know that you've ever been called, sometimes you're just doing stuff and you're obedient. Like you don't have to be called to be an elder, but you do have to be called to be an apostle. 
right? There are certain roles in the church. You need to be called to plant. Um, I don't think you need to call, be called to be uh, an elder. So if you're an elder, you're like, well, I don't have a calling story. You don't need one for that, right? Like Paul just tells the guy just to point people. But if you're a planter and you're discouraged, um, fall back on your calling. Um, don't, don't question that. If you have a calling, um, fall back on that and be comforted by that is what I'm trying to say. Right. Number four, get away and seek vision. Um, go get away with the journal, spend a day of prayer and fasting. I know that it kind of seems like it's mimicking like the first one, but this is different. Seek vision specifically. Um, get away for a day. Go away with your team. Tell your team, hey, we're all going to do this. You do it first. And then get away with your team. And if you've never come across uh, Will Mancini's Kingdom Concept Vision Frame, that is a super helpful tool. And what I would recommend you do is get away for a day um, on a on a, even a retreat, like an overnight retreat, with that material. And um, you know, if you need help with that, you can you can get in touch with me, and I'll I'll, I'll I, I guess I could kind of point you some ways that you could go with it. But that is one of the most helpful things you could do as a team is clarify your mission and vision. Um, and, and again, coupling that with prayer, like, like go seek the face of God and then talk around some of those points that he raises and you could do far less things. And then my fifth and final point is um, very much like the first one again, but it's to surrender. And I know that that right away is a scary word. Hmm. And, you know, I knew when I put that down as the fifth and final point that, um, again, going back to that, uh, part about, um, you know, this is not like the faith movement. Like this has happened because you're not surrendered enough. Um, no, I, I'm not saying that at all. We're not talking about how you got there, We're talking about how you pull out of it. And, and, and so here's the thing. When you surrender, um, it, it's like a breaking. And uh, for me, every significant twist and turn in ministry has come through breaking. It's come through just God breaking me. I, I, I don't know how else to put it. Um, I, I've come to believe that much of ministry is really just a breaking process in me. Um, that it's not really about methodology. It's not really about what my church does. It's not really about, you know, what's the next angle and what's the next book I need to grab hold of or the, you know, what are the other kids saying? It's literally just a process of God going, are you done? Are mm. you done yet? Have you, have you come to the end of yourself yet? Are you, <laughs> are you out of resources? Do you need me? Um, it, it was funny, man, because I remember New Breed, like, uh, last, last winter, um, I, I fell into a time of just giving New Breed back to God over and over because I could see the finances dwindling. I was a sucky fundraiser. And on top of that, I wasn't even allowed to be leading New Breed anymore because I was working for NAM and they kept getting more and more nervous and saying, you, you can't, you can't run. And understandably, they were saying, you can't run a network of your own and then work for our network. So I get it, you know, what well, wasn't upset about it. And so, um, I was in a position where I'm just looking at the, at the, at the bank book going, gosh, more money is coming out now. And our, our donations are dwindling. What's going on. And I just started praying. And as stupid as that sound, someone called me up and said, Hey, I just inherited a bunch of money. And, uh, boom, I, I think I want to drop it on a new breed. And, um, and they did. You know, and it was like the 11th hour. It was like two days before I was getting ready to fly to Wales. And they're like, so I said, I will, I'm, I'm on my way to LAX. I will meet you at the bank and we will deposit it together because they were nervous something would go wrong. And, um, and, and it's just, it's just God, man. Like that's, by the way, that is the most salesman boss move I've ever heard. What's that? I will meet you at the bank and we will deposit it together. Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's like the greatest salesman move ever. Are you serious? Yes. Well, they, they were really worried. They're like, I don't want to wire it. I don't want to this. I don't want to that. And because and, it was such a, a hefty sum. And I was like, and, and by the way, I've not given myself a raise. Right, that that some of the stuff you guys are or seeing brought me on staff. Right Let's get that clear. What's that? 
or brought me on staff. That is true. And <laughs> and it wasn't millions, but it was it was it was six figures. And really? Was, yeah. And it was like, okay. Yeah. You know, I'll like, meet you at the bank and we'll <laughs> dude, I would be right? doing the same thing. That's right? like that's the boss move ever. Well, and that that's what I'm saying is it was kind of like it was like God going, okay, you know, like you, you're, and, and that's how I started, you know, I had just literally like days earlier, um, left Nam thinking, how am I, it, like I said, I haven't had to fall back on any of this for my own income. Praise God. Um, God's been very faithful. And Nam was also like, Hey, contract with us. But you know, the, the thing is, is that, um, it was just such a rad faith. Like I, I didn't surrender because I was some awesome Christian. I surrendered because I had no choice. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah. And sometimes these times, guys, are a beautiful time. We hate it. It's kind of like uh, Hebrews where it says, no discipline is pleasant at that time, but painful. I love that he says that because I, I would literally wake up sometimes in the middle of the night going, if Newbury ex- implodes, I'm in trouble. And at that time, those months leading up to that, I mean, we're literally talking like a five-day window between when I resigned from NAM and this happened. So it was kind of like, you know, and it was literally days before my paycheck ran out. And mm-hmm. it was like, and and yet, like I said, I never had to fall back on it. It just, I'm talking about the psychology of it. Like when I look back now, I'm, I'm even then I was like, you have no idea what kind of faith that put in me of God going you know, hey, new breed is mine, remember? Because all before that, I'm going, God, new breed's yours. Like, I'll fold it down tomorrow if if you don't want me to do this. Like, it, it, it's looking like I'm not supposed to do this anymore. And 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 what was amazing is I, I was literally giving, I'm like, I, man, the, the number of times this has been like a, a burden on me in the last few months and my hands are tied. You know, it's like, I, gosh, Lord, you could just have it. I'm, I'm cool. I'll just walk away from it. I was going to go get a job at, at Blizzard Electronics. Um, <laughs> it's always my go-to. I'll be a senior writer there because, you know, I have an in. And, uh, and and it's a very real possibility. So, Are you serious? Uh, and I, yes. I didn't know I you had an two, in there. I have two major, when I say major connections, I mean major connections there. And it's it's kind of like, yeah, I'll, I'll just go do that. And I, 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 I still toy around with it because... Put me in a room full of non-believers. I'm in my stinking element, right? Like whales taught me that after 12 years. But but it was just, again, that process of surrender. And that is beautiful. And I'm not saying that's going to happen to you um, when you, but but something different. And, and every time I've been on the verge of some major breakthrough or whatever, there's been a breaking and surrendering process, a surrendering everything back onto the altar for God and to God. And that in itself is worth the price of admission. And I don't, you know, so, so I don't know how to really qualify that. Um, but hopefully those five things will really, really help you to get where you need to go. I, I dig it, man. So, you know, while you're doing all this surrendering and, uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, getting out of the, I, the doldrums, I believe was the word you used at the beginning. Uh, who's helping you with your, your taxes, your workers comp, your IRS compliance? Uh, how's that all going down? Well, Pete, simplifychurch.com. Simplify what? church simplifies all my needs. <laughs> And so, uh, let me get this right. They simplify your church. They simplify my church because they simplify all the admin, particularly the financial overhead and the weight that comes with all that. They'll do my bookkeeping. They'll do staffing if I need payroll. They'll make sure that I'm IRS and tax compliant at the end of the year. End of year receipts are coming up, Pete. You definitely need these guys. And uh, just as a throw out to uh, Josh Henry, who's been a faithful supporter of our podcast all these years, he's even got a course right now on budgeting in your church. So head on over to simplifychurch.com and you can start getting enrolled in that course and downloading some of those videos and learning how to really do the thing. So uh, simplifychurch.com. Could you like shut up and give us the money?
Hey, one last thing, guys, today. Um, hopefully, you're still listening. Uh, I dropped a new YouTube show yesterday that will run for 52, count them, 52 weeks. That's one a week for a year um, with ECCU. You guys know I'm the non-math pastor, right? So it, on this subject, what I decided was I was going to start meeting with ECCU. They're the Evangelical Christian Credit Union. And on YouTube, we partnered together so that I can ask all the financial questions because, you know, I'm an idiot on that. All right. If you've been listening to this podcast for six, seven years, uh, pretty much, you know, I don't tackle financial issues on here because I just don't know about them. So if you want to sit kind of as a, a fly on the wall in those conversations, hear me ask all the questions, even after multiple church plants, all the questions I have about this stuff. Uh, it's going to help you. And this is a crash course over the next 52 weeks, bite-sized chunks. And if you go to eccu.org forward slash church plant, and I'm not going to do that. That's church dash plant. I'm not going to do that every week and give you like a full-blown commercial. I just want you to go subscribe to Ministry Ninja. That's my YouTube channel and check it out. But basically what they're going to do is they're going to have resources. They're going to waive their fees for a year for you. If you uh, head on over there and um, you don't have any startup fees, plus you're going to get all this training and you'll get a church planter specialist who will connect with you and take all the mystique out of it and tell you the best practices. It's kind of almost like having a start church uh, combined with a bank account. So definitely check them out. Uh, They've been doing this for decades and uh, they're the best in the business. For me, uh, I've been banking with them nine years. I believe in them. I use them. All my church plants use them. And uh, I would say that if you're going to church plant, it's a no-brainer. Head to eccu.org forward slash church.plant. I mean, uh, church-plant, sorry. And for sure, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Ministry Ninja, so you don't miss it. Cool. All right. Well, hey, this has been Peyton and Pete reminding you, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. I used to have more friends before I got into church planting. I got a bad feeling about this. I'm sorry, Mr. Paul Mitchell. I've dialed the wrong number. I'm trying to reach a granddaughter. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Church Planner Magazine.